Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail. Today I'm joined by the two Pauls, Paul Third, Paul Chalk, as well as Sean Wallace, as we discuss, as all we can, well, it's all we can discuss just now, preseason friendlies, as well as what our clubs are doing in the transfer market for the most part. But how are we, guys? First of all, all good. Ryan. Thanks. I'm good. Thanks. Okay, there's plenty to discuss this week. Over the last week, we've had Aberdeen linked to two players, Macedonian Bojan Majowski from MTK Budapest, the same club that Ramadani came from, as well as Norwegian Tobias Lauritsen. Both those players are strikers, although Majowski, it's understood, can also play wide. Uh, but of course, the big Aberdeen story today is a deal being agreed with Liverpool for right back Calvin Ramsey to head to Anfield. We'll get into that as well, but it understood, it's understood um, that the deal is worth up to £8 million with a 20% sell-on fee, which is pretty superb business for Aberdeen. If you're asking my opinion, but yes, we'll also discuss Christian Ramirez's return from America, whether it means anything, Dean Campbell's loan to Stevenage, and whether it's the last part of his Don's career, but there's Ross County to discuss new deals there, Inverness, new deals there, a new manager at Cove as well. It's a pretty busy week on this podcast. Jim McIntyre arriving at the Balmoral Stadium to replace the departed Paul Hartley, and there's Peterhead and Elgin City to discuss as well. But yes, Paul, let's start with Calvin Ramsey. Before we get on to the potential incomings at Pataudry, an outgoing that looks pretty certain now, and do you agree? Fantastic deal, 4.5 million up front, 3.5 million in potential appearance-related add-ons, a 20% sell-on fee. So to me, not only are those figures pretty nice, but Aberdeen have also got the sort of comfort blanket that if he ends up going on to play for Liverpool, Ramsey, and let's hope he does do well down there, that they'll potentially get that extra 3.5 million. But if things don't work out and he's sold on by Liverpool, there's still that 20% sell-on clause that could see Aberdeen land a bit more cash oh it's it's a win-win I mean Dave Cormack is a wealthy man but I'm sure even with his club hat on he must feel like his his numbers have come up in the the Don's lottery uh, today it's he stood for him for his his player had a, a valuation in his mind and Liverpool have come pretty close to meeting it and might actually exceed it all things considered depending on how well Calvin Ramsey does at Anfield yeah it's it's a great deal all round I think yeah, a little peek behind the curtain for the listeners. We had actually recorded a Ramsey section earlier on this morning. I'm not gonna not gonna lie about that to you, our loyal listeners, where we talked about um, Aberdeen's the fee they wanted, which was five point five million up front, is and five million in add-ons for a total of ten million. We weren't expecting there to be a sell-on clause in that. The idea, I'm, I'm sure, from Aberdeen's point of view, being that if they went for add-ons exclusively. They were kind of backing Ramsey to go down there and do well to, you know, compete with Trent Alexander-Arnold, make a fair amount of appearances. And, you know, if you're at Liverpool, you've reached one of the top clubs in world football. So maybe you never move on anywhere else. So a sell-on was, you know, it was a calculated risk. But as I said, the Dons have got the best of both worlds. Paul, do you remember the first game of last season in the league, which we covered Aberdeen against Dundee United at Pataudry? I'll vaguely say yes. I'm wondering where this leading question's going, but aye, I do. Do you, do you remember who the player that was put up after that game was by the Dons in the press room? 
No. It was Calvin Ramsey, and I believe it was one of the first times, it was certainly, I think probably the first time he was ever put up in the, the Pataudry press room for the media, and I remember him being quite shy, um, well-spoken, but as is always the case with players that are young and doing media duties for the first time or, you know, the first few times, the the answers can be quite short, um, but... It's almost incredible to think that, I know the Don season didn't go particularly well last season, but it's incredible to think that that, that guy, now that guy we spoke to in the press room that day, is now playing for a team that was in the Champions League final, almost won the Premier League, won the FA Cup last season, the League Cup down in England. It's it's a dream move for him, isn't it? And it's one that, uh, it's worked out well because Aberdeen have got the money that they were, they were due for Calvin Ramsey. I'm sure most Don's fans would be happy with the deal, but Ramsey was clearly keen on going and he's got that dream move as well. Oh, he has, because I mean, he's spoken previously, or should I say subsequently, to that uh, interview after the United game, the first game of the season, of how he sits and watches footage of fullbacks and one of the guys he explicitly mentioned was Trent Alexander-Arnold. So in, in his own head, he must be like, I can't believe this, I'm going to weigh down I'm going to wait to have the Scotland captain on the left-hand side, the guy that I watch on the telly all the time on the right. I've got Virgil van Dijk alongside me. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's mind-blowing for an 18-year-old lad from Aberdeen to think about the the calibre of player that he's going to wait to now be playing with at Anfield. I mean, it, it's funny because you go back to the start of this, this whole deal. Liverpool are ultimately buying potential in Calvin Ramsey. They don't know if he has it in his locker to be that top guy, but they're going to take a chance on him. Which is why, in the, in in their head, four and a half million isn't a big risk financially to take. And for forgetting the sell-on clause for a minute, if Liverpool have to go and then pay Aberdeen that extra three and a half million in add-ons, it will mean he has made the grade at first-team level at Anfield. And that's no mean feat given the calibre of player they've got there. And it's still a bargain for them in terms of the, the financial level they operate at, to be shelling that out. The big question, I suppose, from an Aberdeen fan's point of view, well, I've got a few questions, actually. They're thinking, well, what happens to this money that we are now banking? Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's one of those things, Is it as, as well as the, the extra money that could come in for appearances, it's also, if he goes down there and he's successful, it says a lot about the Aberdeen Youth Academy, in the same way that Scott McKenna has said a lot about the quality and the talent that's coming through the Aberdeen Youth Academy. It's sort of, it for future players that come through, a marker has been set fee-wise, but you're also, when players come through Aberdeen now and, you know, make the grade in the Aberdeen first team and they're young and they've got loads of talent, you kind of think that more people, more clubs sort of at that higher level might, you know, stand up and take notice because Liverpool have come in and, you know, bought one of these prospects. I, I was going to, um, before we move on to where the money might potentially be spent, obviously, on the subject of outgoings, we, we must uh, mention that Andy Considine has also found a new club in the last hour or so. He's, oh, heart breaks. Yeah, he's the Don's veteran who, of course, wasn't offered a new contract. Well, he was offered a new contract, then it was withdrawn by Jim Goodwin following kind of two decades in the first team. So he played his last game on the final day of the campaign for the Dons. And he has now, I think, agreed a two-year deal, which I think was what he was looking for when he left the Dons. Two-year deal with St. Johnston, Premiership rivals. That's going to be a painful one, is it, Paul, when he lines up against Aberdeen next season? 
we always thought Andy Constein would look good in blue, but we thought it would be dark blue of the national team, not the more of the royal blue of the, the Perth Saints. It, it, it does feel funny. It is. It's going to be so strange seeing him run out at Petaudry or even in Perth and guaranteed, what's the, what's the fixture list going to bring out on Friday morning? First game of the season, Aberdeen St Johnston. The Considine homecoming. <laughs> it's, there's nothing surer. Uh, it's just, oh, it's 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 strange, but it, it's a great move for him. Um, I mean, he had interest from Australia. I think Kilmarnock were, were sniffing about as well, as you would understand with, with Derek McInnes there. But Andy's obviously looked and gone, I'm getting the two-year deal I wanted. I can commute, theoretically, from my home down to, to Perth for training. I can do this, I'll be fine. So, good luck to him. But yeah, it's good. It's still, it's just bizarre. The whole idea of him running out playing against the Dons is going to be weird. Yeah. Anyway, back to positivity. So the Calvin <laughs> Ramsey money, that initial four point five million. Hopefully, that kickstarts the Dons rebuild, which has had a slow start. Uh, Jim Goodwin hasn't. He's only brought in one player, which was Ramadani. So far, the central midfielder. Obviously, we discussed, or I mentioned earlier that one of his former teammates at MTK. Budapest, Bojan Majowski has been linked to the Dons this week. But Sean Wallace, you've been talking to Tobias Lauritsen's former chairman who's been giving you an insight into what the Norwegian striker could offer the Dons if they managed to secure him, which is, I suppose, the one that's looking more likely at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to the Tobias Swanson's former chairman at Pors Football, the third division club where he was at from, I think it was 2016 to 17. He was giving me, like, it was a, quite a fascinating insight into Watson. Uh, he was at odd as a teenager, and apparently they didn't really play him as a striker there. He played a number of positions, didn't make an impact. So he moved to Pors football, uh, about like 17, 18 years old. And the manager there, who's Tommy Svindel-Larsen, uh, a former Norwegian international who played for Odd in Stebeck and also in the Bundesliga, he saw something in him that convinced him he could be a target man and a striker. And he completely flourished within that setting, scored 33 goals in 29 games that season. Uh, no odd or the local club beside uh, Pars Football were just nine kilometres along the road, so they were clearly keeping eyes on the player that they released. And then following, and then within like I think it was eighteen months, they came back in and signed him again, and he's been there ever since. But Gerd was absolutely glowing in his praise of Warrington, saying he's a, a fantastic character, very humble very hard working, who's suffered the setback of being released by like a top fight club, but didn't let it get to him, buckled down, worked hard and got his route back to the top flight. Uh, he said, I think key when he was speaking to me was that he's a player that thrives on confidence and if he is confident and he believes that the cl- club have trust and faith in him, then he will bang in the goals. He says he's absolutely lethal in the air good with both feet and the thing that stuck out for me was that he said he's always in the right place at the right time in the box if he gets a service he will score so he said he was very 
hopeful that Aberdeen could push through a deal for him because he believes that he, he deserves this big chance and if it comes, he will grab it and thrive in Scotland, which is very positive. And the thing that's really grabbed me with uh, Aberdeen's targets and with signing Ramadani as well is a, a character that they seem to be going for. They seem to be going for not just talented players, but players that will give her absolute all for the club and run, run through a brick wall for Jim Goodwin. Uh, athletes as well that can just run at full pelt give in, for 90 minutes. I mean, I remember uh, I spoke to Adolfo Sermani, uh, Ramadani's former manager, who managed him in both Albania and Denmark. And he was so positive in his praise of him. He said that he was like a second son to him because he, he he was so impressed by him. And yet again, he said if he gets a chance in a big league like Scotland, he will absolutely smash it. So I'm very... Although there's only been one confirmed signing so far, I've been impressed with the club, the players have been linked to so far. Thirdy, you feel like a, a second son to me. What What's your take? Um... My take, well, considering it was a season which ended with anyone who had so much as driven through Paisley once being in the frame, it, we've now moved on to the football equivalent of the Eurovision Song Contest in Aberdeen's um, recruitment <laughs> approach to the summer. And I think that's great, personally. When you've done this job as long as I have, and I'm into my third decade now on this desk, you yearn for something new, something different. If a running gag among the Scottish journals, the summer window for a Scottish football team consists of a loan signing from the bottom half of the English Premier League, a veteran well-known to Premiership fans, and another guy who's been in the top flight, gone down to England, hasn't quite worked out, and now he's coming back to Scotland. So I'm all for ripping up that that, <laughs> that list and going somewhere else completely. So when you get guys like Ramadani on board and names like Mayovsky and Lauritsen being mentioned, it brings a smile at your face purely because we're trying something different. Whether it works, like I don't know. Doesn't it? I think I think <laughs> we discussed this last season. Last season that like these are the pre-seasons. I mean, it might not work out over the course of the season, but these are the pre-seasons that you look so forward to starting because there's going to be a whole new team. I mean, we're not quite there yet, but in theory, there's going to be a whole new team on the pitch by the time the games start. And it's like, what can any of these guys do? We don't know anything about them, and it's kind of like. You know, those those first few minutes, so so intriguing. Sean Lauritsen, to me, the descriptions we're hearing of him, lives in the penalty box. There's a player currently on the Dons books that we understand returned to Aberdeen this week, maybe slightly unexpectedly, given we're maybe expecting to go back to the US. Christian Ramirez, is he a very similar player to Lauritsen? That's, that's my kind of take. Does that mean that Ramirez could be on his way? Out with Pataudry, can these two players coexist? I think they can. Yeah, I hope they can because I, ideally I would like to see the Mirez remain at Pataudry. I mean, I know a lot leaving a week early and missing two games at the end of last season. I know that sparked a lot of speculation with Aberdeen supporters that he wasn't going to come back. But he's back, but obviously he's contracted to Aberdeen, so he has to be back. Whether he's still here for the start of the season remains to be seen, but I hope so. I mean, another club could come in for him. He banged in 15 goals last season in a team that struggled to create. All those goals were from open play. So I I hope 
he remains an Aberdeen player, and if Lauritsen's there, I hope they can play off one another. I mean, there's no, there's nothing to stop them playing two up front. It's interesting. I'm, I'm not reading too much into the fact that Christian Ramirez is back for pre-season training. All it tells you is pre-season training started and he's a professional with a contract he needs to honour. I was among those sceptical about whether I would see him back. I am surprised, especially after he was allowed to leave a week before the season ended. I still maintain that was an unbelievable decision given just the guys that were left. There was no, they didn't even have a striker for the last couple of games of the season. But that was the clubs and the manager's call to make. The important part is he's back. Clearly, he is still an Aberdeen player at this stage, given there's no other strikers officially in the door yet. More forwards are coming, though. I think we can all agree on that. And then, it's only then, we'll see what effect that has, if any, on his future at Petodri. I think if he is going to remain at Petodri, I think he's got a lot of making up to do to Aberdeen supporters, just just because of his body language in the final games of the season before he exited and missed the last two games. And I, I agree with Paul, I couldn't understand it. I mean, I know he was fatigued, but Aberdeen went against St Johnston in the first game that he missed because he went back to America without a like a striker with Premiership experience. Had to start with Michael Ruth, who got his first start for Aberdeen and then left the club about a week and a half later. Very much a time will tell situation for Ramirez. Then under Jim Goodwin, uh, Bojem Mayovsky, we obviously talked about him, he's a, a former teammate of Ramadani at MTK Budapest who were relegated last season, he's, he appears to be a kind of a Macedonian support striker, winger, left footed seems to have a decent goal return for not being your sort of out and out main striker, he scored for his national team as well, there seems to be a lot of interest in him, if, if we're feeling like Lauritsen is maybe one that's looking pretty likely at the moment. I think there's also sort of discussions about how Lauritsen's already been over to Aberdeen to have talks. Is is Mayovsky looking slightly less likely given there's a lot of other teams from other countries chasing his signature teams that have maybe got more resources than Aberdeen, potentially? I, I would think so. I mean, just his, his international pedigree as well. I mean, he came on as a substitute against Italy when they when they knocked him out of the World Cup playoffs. So he's on a, a far higher level than Lauritsen, I would suggest. And there has been a lot of clubs linked with him from different nations. So it could be a lot more difficult to get a deal pushed through for him if he is one that Jim Goodman wants to take to Petodri. I haven't heard anything more, I don't think, in the last week about Liam Scales. The Dons were obviously linked with a loan move from Celtic. Uh, uh, Dean Campbell, he's obviously moved um, a few tiers below the Premier League to Stevenage on loan. I think he's in the last year of his contract now. Pataudry, Dean, do we expect, I mean, the suggestion would be that he's not yet certainly part of Jim Goodwin's plans and there's a lot of central midfield options at Pataudry, even if the likes of Lewis Ferguson leaves this summer. Um, do, Do we see a route back for Campbell at Pataudry? Not if he doesn't get regular game time at Stevenage. I mean, his, his loan move to Kilmarnock was a disappointing one when you look back on it. I was checking this morning, he only made five starts for Derek McInnes' team at Rugby yeah, Park. He's his greatest champion as well. Aye. I mean, McInnes. Andy was an unused sub for six other games. And he is, what is he, 21 now? It's a big season for him. He needs to be starting games regu- regularly at Stevenage before he can even be in a debate about 
playing for Aberdeen. It is a big season ahead for Dean. I hope it goes well for him. I'd, I'd hope that well, my preferred scenario would be because I really rate Dean Campbell as a player. I think he's composed in possession and can find a pass. I think he's got a fantastic football and intelligence. So I, I hope he goes down to Stevenage, gets a regular game, impresses, and if there's somehow like a could trigger like a return in January, although at the moment that looks unlikely because, like Paul said, he struggled to get regular game time at Kilmarnock. But I hope Dean does well. Yeah, difficult situation potentially as well, given Stevenager. Well, last season we're right down the bottom of League Two, which is, I mean, he's guaranteed a lot of action in the middle of the park if things continue that way. But maybe I don't know if that's the best place to be. Uh, Anyway, we'll move on from the Dons on to Ross County and Inverness in the north. We'll say goodbye to Sean. And after this short break, we'll be back with Paul Chalk leading the way. Okay, Paul Chalk then. In the last week, we've had Ross County confirming new deals for David Cancola. First of all, who, you know, he, he played a decent amount. Last season, Malky Mackay clearly rates him. He's Austrian, isn't he? Um, but Alex Jakovitti, the big coup this week, getting him on a extended contract, I think, for another year. Um, the the Staggies fans rate him. I mean, we rate him. We've talked about him often enough. And Malky Mackay and his staff clearly rate him. So a, a decent week's business for County. Yeah, I agree with that, Ryan. And I think, um, you know, the County fans were... Hanging on for the the faint hope that uh, Regan Charles Cook would be a Ross County player next year, I think it was quite clear that that wasn't going to happen. Um, Regan has has gone to Belgium, of course, Eupen fifteenth uh, uh, place in the the Belgian top flight. A fresh challenge for him next year. We wish him well. He was a terrific uh, player for the the Staggies. He was the the top of the wish list for the the county fans. But uh, listen, I, I think. Other than the, other than him, top of my list would definitely have been keeping Yakoviti, and I, I just had a feeling the longer it went on without a deal been done, that he might have had options elsewhere. So I, I was delighted to see that you know happen this week. Um, David Cancola as well, Malky. Mackay spoke very highly of him this week. He feels that he's now at a stage where he's really settled in, in the Highlands. You know, Ross County, I think, even before Malky came in, we're tracking uh, David Cancola, the Austrian midfielder. Um, so I think he, he can really kind of kick on next year. Um, so it's been... Uh, they've got the core of the team all there now uh, for, for next term. And um, they, they check in back at work. Um, in fact, they've checked in uh, back at Dingwall this, this week now uh, ahead of um, a, a week's preparation um, in, that, in the Highlands before they head over to, to Italy next weekend. So um, the groundwork has been done with the, the current players uh, and I think there'll be a lot of sat- satisfaction. Um, Jakoviti, uh, for me as, as well, you know, he's such a, a goal threat, but, um, you know, he has chipped in, I think it was four goals last year. Um, so he is a danger in the box, even when he's not scoring them, he's causing problems for opponents in, in the opposition box. But um, but first and foremost, he brings a bit of calmness to that, that back line for Ross County. It is an area that Ross County have to improve on, but they did last season. They were leaking too many goals two years ago as the season continued they, they were making life tougher for opponents and Yakoviti was a big part of that. I mean, this is maybe the kiss of death for a podcast editing man, but we're not seeing yet much in the way of links to to new faces in Dingwall. No, is that 
Ross County are a wait till the end of the, the transfer window kind of club. Yeah, in fact, I remember um, when Malky just came in last summer, um, very first time we spoke to him was after a pre-season game in, in Elgin and he was at pains to point out that as, as great as it would be to get business done as soon as possible and, and into early July, you know, the transfer window is open right until the end of August and a lot of business uh, happens in, in August rather than July. So um, he, he's, he wasn't one to panic last year and it, obviously it did take time, but this time he has uh, his key players now signed up for, for next term. But yes, yeah, supporters obviously always want to see the new faces and I think we'll, we'll start to see that happen. Of course, the, the story this week that came out that Ross County were uh, the top club in the world outside uh, uh, English clubs to um, give loan players game time. Um, it's got to do a great amount of... Um, good for, for Malky bringing in recruits next term. He did say though um, last summer that the, the last year was really a bit of a firefighting exercise the way he came in and it was a brand new squad that he had to assemble in double quick time. They also had COVID issues uh, which knocked him out of the, the League Cup effectively where they had to forfeit two games. So um, that's something he, he wants Ross County to get back uh, involved in the League Cup and be competitive in, in that. But in terms of the loan signings, they have worked really well for Ross County, clearly, last season. But I think you would like to see more players sign up, even in one-year deals next year. And I think you'll see a wee bit more of that, a wee bit more um, stability in terms of contracts. And I think Stephen Ferguson, the chief, chief executive, is very much in that mind. Well, our man Andy Skinner is heading with Ross County to Italy and will hopefully have all the updates from there over the next uh, few, well, the next couple of weeks, I should say. Indeed, yes. Um, will it be the? Will it be a success? Will it be the, the worst tragic comedy to come out of Verona since Romeo and Juliet? Who knows? <laughs> um, anyway, Inverness. We'll move on to them. I noticed in the last week that Reese McAleer, he won't be back because he signed for. Tranmere Rovers. Tranmere Rovers. I was about to say Torquay United. Are they still a thing? Um, but <laughs> Tranmere. So obviously, obviously that's a that's a blow. I think Reese McAleer was one of those, wasn't it? That it was, you know, if he's still available right at the end of the transfer window, maybe Cali Thistle have got a shout. But um, you know, he was he was leaving Norwich City, so he was always likely to get a a move to a, a club that maybe has better resources than Cali Jags do. Um, but they've had decent news in the last week. Aaron Doran, Shane Sutherland, Wallace Duffy, all penning deals that, I mean, were expected because Scott Gardner told us in his end-of-season statement that they'd, they'd been offered to those players. Shane Sutherland, obviously, facing a long recovery from a, a knee injury. But, I mean, decent to get players tied down, isn't it, for Cali Thistle at this early stage? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I should say credit to Cali Thistle because... Uh, in terms of the Shane Sutherland contract because Shane will be out for many months with a, a serious knee injury that uh, he suffered in the, the playoff semi-final at Arbroath. Um, so he's going to probably miss about half a season at, at least. Um, so he's been given a one-year deal because because of the work that he's done and still capable of when he, when he comes back. So um, the club didn't have to do that, but uh, I think it was it was the right thing to do and they absolutely were correct in, in doing that. But uh, Wallace Duffy, young defender, um, I think we see Wallace at his best when, when he actually fills in centre-half. I don't know if there will be an opportunity for Wallace with Kirk Broadfoot away. We might see a wee partnership with him and Danny Devine 
um, at centre half, you know, with, with Robbie Dees staying out in, in the left side of defence. So um, I, I think um, Wallace proved um, and showed enough for for Billy Dodds to, to earn that contract. And um, Aaron Doran, of course, uh, agreed terms this this week as well. And uh, he's got a testimonial weekend. Uh, testimonial night at the stadium on, on Saturday as well. There'll be opponents for Aaron Doran later this year. Um, who knows, maybe even we could see a Blackburn team of, of some sort making their trip north. That's where he signed from under Terry Butcher all those years ago, 11, 12 years ago. And, and on Aaron, just briefly, um, he proved that, you know, he's had so many injury problems so over the years. He's been, been out with uh, knee problems um, so often, but he, he when we spoke to him a couple of months ago, he was saying that the knee is so much stronger. He pays so much more attention to that. And, in f- and when you saw his impact as Cali Thistle went for promotion, where they just missed out, um, he-, he came on and he was turning games and he was assisting so often uh, on key goals uh, throughout that, that run. Uh, I'm thinking in particular the game against Kilmarnock where they had to come from behind to see off Kelly 2-1, which uh, was a real, real momentum shifter for Kelly Thistle. So uh, he's still got it at this level. He can still make an impact, and I'm delighted that uh, Doran's been rewarded uh, with a one-year deal. Right, okay, another short break then, and then we'll move down to... Well, I say move down. It's no longer down. That's what I used to say, but Cove are in the same division now as Inverness. So we'll move back down to the northeast to discuss Cove, and then we'll drop down to League 1 to discuss Peterhead and League 2 to discuss... Elgin City. Right, the big news from Cove Rangers this week, or or wondering for a couple of days, thirty, we, we, we kind of we, we knew it was coming within 24, 48 hours, and then finally yesterday, news broke that it was Jim McIntyre who is replacing Paul Hartley, who of course left for Hartlepool United. Jim McIntyre will be replacing him at the Balmoral. Stadium. I mean, my first impressions of this are that you could say it's very similar. I know we've discussed this already, but very similar to when Paul Hartley took the job. He was at a a lowish ebb when he took the Cove job when they were back in just well, just coming into the SPFL in League Two. He'd had you know disappointments. His his reputation was kind of you know it 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 dropped a little bit um due to what spells it was it dundee and who was the other hartley one was falkirk was it falkirk yeah falkirk jim mcintyre similarly since he left dundee i think about three years ago now they they got relegated um and you know i think many people are probably going well you know this is this a manager on on the downward but Paul Hartley showed at Cove, I know it's a different situation because he's going to the Championship and it's going to be very tough as a part-time team in a full-time league going in straight away. Um, but Paul Hartley showed that you can, you know, it's a club where if you get it right, you can, you know, your reputation can be restored. Do you think it's a good move from Cove's point of view? For, from Cove's point of view, absolutely. Um, I mean, Jim McIntyre's what, 50 now he's got a wealth of experience. He's managed at that level and higher. Um, he's brought success to Ross County. He revolutionised Ross County, in my opinion, when he went in there in terms of their approach to preparation for matches, sports science, health, well-being, whatever you want to call it. He just had a very different way of going about things and the players responded to that. I think Cove, albeit at part-time level, 
will enjoy working under that sort of regime, if you like. And for for the man himself, as as you've touched on, I mean, yeah, there are parallels with his arrival at Balmoral and that of Paul Hartley three years ago. I mean, Hartley's done brilliantly. Two championships in three seasons in charge. Clearly, it's going to be a much bigger task for Jim McIntyre because he's going into the championship. But as we've said, he's an experienced manager and more importantly, he's got a good nucleus of a squad there, which is what Hartley had when he took charge, remember. It was the Highland League champions. Um, I still think, I mean, it's water under the bridge now. I, I still think that Roy McGregor was a bit rash in showing Jim the, the door as quickly as he did. But he was the county chairman. It's his club, his decision to make. Cove, Cove are a different kind of club, but they're equally well run, like like his Staggies. And I think Jim will re- respond positively to that environment. Because let's be honest, when he was at Dundee, it was anything but a positive environment. The fans were up in arms before he'd even taken charge because he was looking to bring Dodsey in with him as his assistant, if you remember. And they were just they were going tonto. The whole idea of Billy Dodds being anywhere near Dens Park. So <laughs> the fans got their way and look what happened as a result. <laughs> Jim was up against it on day one and they just they dropped like a stone and, and they were gone. Uh, I think he'll do well with a far more welcoming and supportive group of people off and on the park around him. Balmoral Stadium. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I, I covered Ross County when Jim McIntyre was there, and um, he always came across as, uh, as a guy st- straight down the middle and knew exactly, um, told his player exactly what um, he required from them. And you look at his record at Ross County, he, um, he took them seventh and sixth and won them their first national trophy. You know, it, it was a golden era, era in the Highlands where the League Cup was in Dingwall and the Scottish Cup was in Inverness. Never to be done and probably never to be repeated again, the two national trophies here at the same time. Um, and he felt sore about being sacked, as Paul rightly said. Uh, Roy McGregor did say after it, he, he felt that was one of the hardest decisions he, he ever, ever had to make. And, you know, Roy has sacked managers before when they've been, um, you know, I think famously Dick Campbell had them top of League Two when they were working their way back and, and he, he sacked him as well. So he's made tough calls before. But um, maybe that's that's one in particular where he'll look back and, and with a bit of regret that Jim McIntyre was ever let go in the first place. And I think there'll be, I think yeah, looking at the interviews from from Jim yesterday, he's coming with fire in, in the belly. He's he's going a, a what a, what an opportunity to get into Cove Rangers in the at championship level. And um, I know he's, he's pointed out to the success of Arbroath as a part time club last year and, and what they achieved, been runners up. Missing out the title by two points. Not saying Cove are, are going to do as well as Arbroath last year, but I think uh, we can expect a wee bit more than them being in a relegation battle next year under Jim. I think um, it's easy to forget if a manager's had a couple of bad jobs, a couple of, couple of jobs that have ended badly. I mean, you see it straight away as soon as they're appointed at their next club. And it was the same when Hartley joined Cove. You've got fans of, you know, Dundee weighing in, fans of Hulkirk weighing in, saying like, oh, he's a terrible manager, you know, like he doesn't know what he's doing, he's the worst manager we ever had. But Paul Hartley has proved at Cove that, you know, early in his career, he's very highly rated. He's thought of as, you know, one of the most promising managers coming up in the country. And like, it it shows you that 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 doesn't go away just because you've had a couple of sackings. You still, you know, with the right mix of ingredients, you're still capable of, you know, turning a team around, having a, you know, or having success at a team whatever you're coming into so I'm, I mean 
I suppose the hope is that Jim McIntyre manages to do that at the Balmoral Stadium and Cove continue on this this upward trajectory that seems to be, oh, to this point, unstoppable. I, I'm with you. And it's funny, you go back to Jim McIntyre. At one point when he was at County and they were doing so well and you had all this Derek McInnes to Rangers and Sunderland chat and, and all that was going on, we were looking at Jim McIntyre as a, a potential successor to Derek McInnes at Bedodry. That's how high stock was just a few years ago. So, he, yeah, he is a guy with a point to prove. But as I've said already, he's got, he's going into a, a club that will give him every tool he needs to be a success again. And, 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 I, and I think it's a very good appointment on Cove's part. Yeah, well, time will tell again. The thing I say at the end of every section of this podcast. Uh, Peterhead, still in League One, of course. Reasonably busy over the last week. Um, announced a pre-season friendly at Balmure against Dundee. Um, they've got this elegant anniversary tournament coming up as well. They signed Paul Dixon, uh, who I believe uh, Jim McAnally is planning to play at centre-back as opposed to left-back, where we've been used to seeing him over the years. They've also offered their former loanee, Danny Strachan, released by Dundee, a deal, but that's kind of that's still up in the air whether he's going to take that or not, or whether there'll be a full-time opportunity for him somewhere else. Uh, Lenny Wilson, their goalkeeper, who's mostly served as their backup goalkeeper, was on loan at Brora Rangers last season. Has also is now moved permanently to Brecon City in the Highland League. But Paul, you spoke to Jim McAnally this morning. I know that. Um, does, does he give you an impression to be much more business in the next week to come? In the next week, perhaps not. But it definitely will be more business. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, any, anyone who knows Jim McAnally will tell you he's not one for a panic signing. And he was stressing to me this morning. Look. It's slim pickings out there at the minute, so I'm not just bringing in a guy for the sake of it. And he actually joked with me about a manager at another club had texted him yesterday saying, Jim, this is grim. (laughs) They didn't feel as if there was anyone really really out there. Um, I won't name who it was, but (laughs) in confidence. But um, yeah, if you look around the country, you're not seeing an awful lot happening. I think hearts have have been busy, but that's about it. There's not not much. Hibs, perhaps. it's funny, Jim's got a good experience campaigner on board in Paul Dixon. He'll do a good job for them. But he also knows he's got a few gaps to plug as well. What he made clear to me, he's going to take his time. He's going to see what's out there. And then it'll be up to Jim to work his charm, as he always does. Because he always seems to bring guys who you'd think, oh, they'll never come up to Peterhead. But he's been a dab-handed doing it for about a decade and more now. Uh, clearly, replacing Simon Ferry and Scott Brown are the two priorities for me anyway because that's your that's your central midfield um that'll be where he's focusing his energy on whether they're in place before the first league cup game against the dons on july 10th is another matter but i'm sure he'll have the guts of his squad together by the time the the proper ball comes out if you like for the the league one season chalky down in league two elgin city you've spoken to assistant jim weir in the last couple of days what's the what's the state of play at borough briggs well, the thing about Elgin is um, they're back. They've been back since last week uh, pre uh, preseason, and uh, they've got their first match this weekend on Saturday against Clach, and um, they've got a huge amount of games coming up before uh, the the action starts for real in the, the Premier Sports Cup when um, they've got Annan um, away. Uh, so yeah, 
Jim uh, Jim firstly he's de- delighted to be back of course he was former manager at Elgin where uh, he brought Gavin to, to the club uh, and Gavin uh, Price was his assistant now it's role reversal and Gavin's brought him in of course on the back of Stephen Mackay leaving due to, to work commitments the former uh, Brora manager so um, there's a lot of positive positivity and determination at Elgin. They, they really are determined to um, right the wrongs of last season, finishing ninth in League Two. Clearly not good enough. Elgin are a team. That I think uh, only themselves and uh, Stenhousemuir and of course Bonnie Rig Rose. They're the only clubs in League Two next year who haven't been promoted before. So there's a real. Um, uh, drive there from, from everyone at Borough Briggs to, to kick on. Um, a couple of signings so far. Uh, Jake uh, Dolzanski, the defender, has come in from Genefield Swift's 24-year-old. And, of course, uh, Jevin Anderson uh, from Cove, who was on loan last season and uh, fitted in superbly well before an injury um, cut uh, short his loan spell at Borough Briggs. So, um, uh, nothing imminent in the next few days expected at Elgin, but uh, probably movement next week because but Gavin Price and uh, Jim Weir are, are speaking to players as um, over the weekend and into next week. So uh, I think a right midfielder and a striker are the priorities now. They've got a couple of defenders in. Um, so that's what they're looking at. Of course, the, Gavin told me a couple of weeks ago that they tried to get Richard Foster, who's freed from Partick Thistle, but ge- geography was the only thing ruling him out of a move. So um, uh, they're going to be ambitious. They're going to make sure that, that, that any transfer targets know that they want to be at the top end of the table. There's a real um, willingness to, to make that happen. And they got off to a bad start last year. They had COVID issues over the summer. Uh, so a wee bit like Ross County, they want to use the Premier Sports Cup as, as a launch pad more for for the league campaign and, and starting that really well next season. Elgin to disrespect League Cup. That's what I heard there. Anyway, that concludes <laughs> this week's episode of Northern Goal. If you've liked this episode, you can subscribe on your favourite podcast app, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or another podcast service I've never heard of. You can email northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk with any questions or queries. Thanks to Paul Paul and Sean for joining me today. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thank you, Ryan. And well, we'll catch up with you next week where hopefully there'll be more transfer goings on to discuss. But until then, see you later. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.